ഹിമിനീ <coughs> the first verse i want to recite is from the holy quran <coughs> sorry things are falling out of my copy of the holy quran it's uh, chapter 33 verse 48 wala pu pagi ഹിപ്രിറ്റ്സ് of your affairs then we have chapter 33 verses 57 and 58 innal ladina yuzuna allaha wa rasulahu la'anahumullahu fid dunya wal akhirati wa a'ad ഹീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീനീ
Allah has cursed them in this world and the hereafter. And he has prepared for them an, an, an abasing chastisement. And those who annoy, and those who annoy believing men and believing women <clears throat> undeservedly, they bear the guilt of slander and manifest sin. And lastly, chapter 15, verse 95. Surely we are sufficient for them against the scoffers. I have recited these uh, verses because uh, a week or two ago on uh, during a television interview a spokesman in fact two spokesmen for uh, bjp the ruling party in india made uh, insulting and de derogatory comments about the holy prophet muhammad and this is in response to that we know that there is widespread hatred of Muslims all over the world and there is also widespread misreporting in the media about Islam and about Muslims and uh, I illustrate this by an example this was some a few years ago Delhi Express I think it was that reported and it was a front page headline a front page headline Muslims arrested for plotting to murder the Pope and uh, the way it was phrased it made it seem as if every Muslim in the world, certainly every Muslim in the United, United Kingdom, wanted to murder the Pope. And uh, the whole of the Muslim population of the UK, amounting to some one million people, had been arrested and put in some sort of a concentration camp. Now, there was an investigation and three days later those people were released there were five of them and they were released by the police not pending further investigation not pending charges not pending anything so how did the express redress that balance did it say on the front page, Muslims released, no evidence to show they were plotting to murder the Pope? Was it on the front page? Was it on the editorial page? 
know. There was a small paragraph buried on page nine. Page nine. Now compare the two. Initially, it was a bold headline on page one. And retraction or update is on page nine. In a small paragraph. And you had to look for it to find it. And uh, I think this is a game that people play, the media and the politicians and so on, to curry favour, to earn votes and uh, so on. And this is really, I would suggest, in addition to the, the, these uh, misleading reports and news items. I'll give you uh, another example. Um, BBC interviewed, uh, I forget their names now, uh, uh, there's a Muslim, uh, he's uh, quite famous, he used to be president of the Oxford Debating Club and so on, he's now in the media. They interviewed him and uh, also uh, 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 an uh, um, violently, I would say, anti-Islamic gentleman, Steve something his name is. They were interviewed on the BBC. Now, the question is this, and this was raised during the interview by the Muslim. The question is this, would BBC invite a violently anti-Jewish person to come and express his views? No. Well, why not? You know, we talk about anti-Semitism and all this, this kind of thing. Every time, you know, if a, a Jew murders a two-year-old Muslim by blowing the child's brains out, there's no mention of the uh, the name of the murderer or the child that died. But if a Muslim sneezes in the direction of a Jew, it makes headline news that the Muslim was trying to uh, uh, infect that Jew with COVID or something like that. And uh, we know that. And politicians do that to increase their popularity. Boris Johnson does it. You know, he's the Prime Minister of, uh, of England and he deliberately, to cover, curry favour with the extreme right wing, he makes these, these uh, comments. And it's the same in India. We know that BJP and members of BJP are anti-Muslim, etc. The Prime Minister of India was the Chief Minister of Gujarat when uh, uh, there were riots there and Muslim property and businesses were burned to the ground and looted and the police did nothing to protect the Muslims. But the question is, how should Muslims react to these things? 
to these insulting comments against the Holy Prophet Muhammad. You see, if we react in the same way, then what we are doing is exactly what our opponents want us to do. They want us to be violent. They want us to march down the streets and break windows and uh, throw bricks at cars and so on. So that they can say, see, told you so. These people can't stomach any criticism. You know, say anything and they start burning down buildings and so on. And the whole Quran tells us, and obey not the disbelievers and the hypocrites and disregard their annoying talk and rely on Allah. And Allah is enough for you. Allah is enough for having charge of your affairs. Again in chapter 15 verse 95, surely Allah is sufficient for you against the scoffers. And the, in the, you know, in, in, in the Holy Prophet's own lifetime, and this is mentioned in the, in the Holy Quran, that the Quran says that uh, whenever a prophet came, people said to him, you're a liar. And Nazubillah, the Holy Prophet Muhammad himself was call, uh, called a, a madman, a sorcerer, a liar, Nazubillah. But what did he do? How did he react? At the conquest of Makkah, did he have all these people beheaded? No. Because there is a way to respond. If you just respond with the uh, emotion and fury and violence, you will simply be proving that what your detractors are saying is correct. And this is what Allah is saying in the Holy Quran. In another verse of the Holy Quran, God says, if you're sitting somewhere and people are talking and uh, the conversation is making you angry because it's insulting about Islam and the Holy Prophet and Muhammad uh, and Holy Prophet Muhammad وسلم, leave that place, go away and wait until the topic has moved on to something else and then go back. Don't start punching them in the face and fighting them, etc, etc. Because that just proves their point, as I said. Now, and the, the, the other thing is that, um, you know, if something has been said in India and you start having riots in Pakistan, how does that help? You are damaging Pakistan's economy, you're damaging Pakistan's infrastructure, you are destroying your own uh, traffic lights and throwing bricks through your own buildings, how does that address those comments? Your reaction should be something that actually makes those people who made those comments regret what they did. Now, the interesting thing is that for five or six days, while 
after the, these spokesmen for BJP made these comments, BJP didn't do anything. Nothing. They were quiet. And then these comments went across the world and other Muslim governments, those who spoke Arabic and Indonesian and uh, etc., they got to know of these comments. And they started calling in the Indian ambassadors and lodging formal protests. There was one Indian dignitary somewhere. He was due to have dinner with the Emir of whichever state it was in UAE. And this dignitary was told, don't bother. Dinner is cancelled. These people made these comments and your government hasn't done anything. So you're not welcome. And many Arab states said, we'll be looking at cancelling our economic ties with you, our trade contracts with you, etc. This happened all over the Islamic world. And the OIC, Organization of Islamic Countries, that put out a statement which India just ignored. But then, when individual Islamic countries started responding in a proper manner, the Indian government was stuck. Because the billions of pounds of trade that they do with the Arabs was at stake. They said, we won't buy anything from you. Go away. We won't sell you our oil. We'll just tell you to go away. Now, for five days, the Indian government didn't do anything. And within one day, of all the Muslim governments, almost unanimously sending these messages to the Indian government, suddenly both the, spokes, the spokesmen were suspended from their jobs. One of them was expelled from the BJP. One remains a member but uh, she's lost her job and statements of apology were made to these Muslim governments. Now, do you think this would have happened if Muslims had gone in the streets and started breaking their uh, street lights and traffic lights and uh, whatever else and burning their own buses, etc.? Your enemies just sit there and laugh. And they say, this is why we did it, because we knew you can't do anything to us. You're not burning down buses in New Delhi or breaking the, the smashing streetlights in New Delhi. You're doing it in Islamabad and Lahore and Karachi. That's what we want. You're damaging your own country. You're damaging your own economy. And that is one thing we have to learn that the war that goes on now is an economic war. It's not so much a military war. How is the West trying to hurt Russia in Ukraine? By banning 
imports from Russia and exports to Russia, particularly oil and gas and other things as well. War does not start when you fired the first bullet. It starts decades before that when you prepare for it. And this is what we forget that because, because of, I have to say, to some extent, our own actions. We have given our enemies the stick with which to beat us. And if we don't learn the lessons of the new game, international politics is now a new game. It's not what it used to be. Barber cannot now get on a horse and uh, ride with his army from uh, southern Russia to India and Pakistan and conquer them. It's a new game with new rules. You have to learn those rules. If you don't, you will always be embarrassed. And all you would end up doing is screaming conspiracy, conspiracy and damaging your own economies. Reflect upon the Holy Quran. Reflect upon the Holy Quran. See, the first verse that says, don't do what disbelievers and hypocrites do. Disregard their annoying talk. But any action that you have to rely on Allah. And Allah is enough to take care of these affairs. And any action that you take, should be dignified and proportionate and effective. Which is what happened this time. And I was extremely pleased and I congratulate the, the, the Muslim governments who, I guess, joined together to take this action, which forced the Indian government to uh, sack these two people who made these uh, derogatory comments. And someone said to me in this regard, well, there is freedom of speech. And you are saying that uh, we put restrictions on freedom of speech. To which my answer was, why are there restrictions on me saying anything against the Jews? I'll immediately, immediately be labeled anti-Semitic. Even if I say things like, you know, the Israeli soldiers killing people on Palestinian land which they have occupied is wrong and shouldn't be done, you you label me as an anti-Semitic. Why doesn't the freedom of speech apply to that? Oh, that's hate speech. What is it that you're doing against the Muslims? That's love speech, is it? That headline by the Express showed its love for Muslims and on the front page it said, Muslims arrested for plotting to kill the Pope. And then when it, when it was proven that there was no such plot, it was all a lie. This was reported on page nine 
in a small paragraph. All that is showing love for Muslims. I was in America, I was in South America and I was reading, I think it was the New York Times and the headline said, Muslim kills wife. So I wrote to the editor. I said, how is the man, how is the man's religion relevant to this news? When a crazy gunman goes into a primary school and shoots dead 30 small kids. I've never seen American newspapers and, and, and television say Christian gunman, Catholic gunman shoots dead innocent kids. So why is the man's religion here important? Because there is Islamophobia. And you counter that with logic and reason, like I did. Like this gentleman did on, on, on BBC. I forget his name. He appears on, on the television quite a, quite a lot. He used logic and argument and rationality to prove his point and our point and to defend Islam and, and, and Muslims, etc. So we should learn a lesson from this, what the Arab governments did. Because it has shown us how effective their action was. It has shown that uh, although they took action, no one could badmouth Muslims for what these governments did. They called in the ambassadors and made formal diplomatic protests. They said, if you do this, we won't sell you oil. It's our oil. Why should we sell it to you when you are going to insult our religion in, the, in this way? You won't buy things from you. So we should learn a lesson from that. This incident shows us how to behave towards those who try and humiliate our religion and our prophet, how to counter them. Don't go out and start burning buses and breaking traffic lights and street lights. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, in Nahmduhu, when a Stainohu, when a Stakfiru, when no Minubihi, when a Tabakalu Alehi, when Auzubillahi, Min Sherudi, Anfusina, Wamin Sayyati, Amalina, May Yahdihilla, Hofala, Mudilla, who were May Yudlil Hofala, Hadiella. 
منهم اکبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين اياك نعبد واياك نستعين اهدنا الطواف المستقيم صراط الذين انعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين قل هو الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد الله أكبر الرحمن الرحيم 
Thank you for uh, joining us for our Friday service. Our next broadcast is going to be on Pure Discussions, which is a WhatsApp group at uh, 1 p.m. tomorrow. And then, inshallah, uh, next week we'll continue with our uh, broadcasts thinking about the use of words in the Holy Quran and their importance. In the meantime, with the prayer that whoever you are and wherever you may be, may Allah keep the whole of humanity safe and sound and free from harm, regardless of people's religion or sect or color or nationality or whatever else. Assalamu alaikum, Khuda Hafiz, goodbye.